Hi, I'm Kira McAllister and you're listening to QUB Voices. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons license. We're on Twitter, Spotify and iTunes. Hello and welcome to episode one of February's edition of QUB Voices. This month, we're thinking about the importance of building community as a research student and the difficulties this presents, especially at the moment, as we find ourselves in the third lockdown in the past year. I'm thinking today about the research students who have joined the university in January, finding themselves starting a new venture at a time when they're cut off from the graduate school and perhaps Belfast too. I'm thinking too of the international students who are now conducting research in their home country rather than in Belfast where they intended and all of the home students who are struggling with research without the support of their office mates or the social circles they had created. It is no doubt an isolating time for research students and we want you to know that you're not alone. So today we'll be talking about the importance of building a postgrad community and some ways you might do that while keeping yourself safe. I'll be speaking to two PhD students who have found a way to build a network and asking them for advice on how to combat isolation. I'm delighted to welcome our first guest today, Gillian Keane, a PhD candidate in the School of Law here at Queen's and a member of the Law PhD Student Research Network. Hi, Gillian. I'm so happy to have you here talking to me virtually and trying our best to do what we can in yet another lockdown. Um, Thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us today. Um, can you begin for me by just introducing yourself? Tell me a little bit about your PhD project and who you are. Yeah, thanks very much, Kira, and really great to join you all today here. Um, my name is Gillian, and originally from Northern Ireland, from the North Coast, though now living in Belfast, and I am currently in my third year of my PhD um, in the School of Law at Queen's. Um, my research uh, investigates the role of international law in preventing and tackling human trafficking among refugees and asylum seekers. Wow, that's really interesting. And um, that goes in really well with the episode we did a couple of months ago on human rights, where we were looking at refugees as well. Could have had you there. We could have had oh, you fantastic. any month. <laughs> I'll have to uh, give it a listen. I haven't heard haven't heard it yet. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Chrissy did that one. She looks at refugees as well. So maybe you could do some networking there. Absolutely. Um, so today, as you know, we're talking about building community as a research student. Yeah. You're in your third year here, so um, you're well placed to kind of talk to us about uh, how you've developed at Queens and how you've kind of settled in and find your people. Um, so one way that you've done that is by getting involved with the PhD Research Network in the School of Law. Can you tell me a bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the PhD Research Network, um, initially it was had a really long name. I think it was the PhD Law Student Research Network. So we quickly changed that to SRN, which has been known ever since. Um, so yeah, the SRN, it's a student-led network of PhD researchers in the School of Law. And we started in the uh, 2018-2019 academic year, which was also my first year uh, in, in the PhD. So this is now our third year uh, of sort of operating. And really, it just started out of a conversation uh, with our school's PhD coordinator about setting something like this up. Uh, three or four of us were interested in taking it forward. So we set up a steering group and really um, started very small. It grew from there. And during the first couple of years, we had sort of articulated three main aims. So the first one was to establish connections among the uh, law cohorts sort of across all the year groups. Um, the second one was to facilitate collaboration between those in similar research areas. And the third one was to encourage collaborative research outputs. And then I would say probably as we've developed, I think a fourth aim has kind of come along and that is really to highlight the achievements and activities of or of those people in our uh, cohort. And that really is done through our, our Twitter account. So if somebody, um, you know, speaks at an event or publishes a blog or a paper or, you know, just anything, we want to we want to show that and we want to show the impact that our uh, PhDs are having. And and so, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, I was just going to ask you. Um, what kind of events, so you talked about your Twitter, um, mm-hmm. what other kind of opportunities are there for PhD students to meet, to come together? Yeah, so with um, with all of those aims, really, we have a lot of activities. Um, so in terms of creating connection and community, one of the key things that we had and still do have, but they look a bit different now, was our weekly coffee mornings. So just a really simple thing, we set up a coffee morning and um, the school has been really supportive. So they had bought us some flasks and tea and coffee and biscuits. And um, really until obviously March of 2020, that was in person. I think we used to do it on a Thursday morning at 11 and everybody just knew that's when it was. And we had a little rota for, you know, filling up the flasks and everyone just brought their mug and, um, you know, came when they were free and, and just had a chat. And we did things like we would have a Christmas dinner each year and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, of course, it's all virtual. We're still doing our coffee mornings um, on Teams. And that's been a really great, great space to connect in. Um, beyond that, we do a number of other kind of events. Um, so that could be anything from maybe a round table where people are getting a chance to present, you know, on their research or, or talk about where their research connects. But also sort of bigger events like we've done a couple of symposiums. Um, which are sort of more organization. And I think there's community in that if you're a part of organizing it because you're working together with other people. And then I think some of those events can really form community and just giving people space to connect socially, but also on on a research level. Um, So there's lots of different ways uh, to connect. And I think it's been started small, but we've probably done more and more each year. And you mentioned that your school's been really supportive and have helped with kind of uh, tea and coffee and stuff like that. Which obviously, as you're affiliated with the school, you know, you'd like to think they'd give you a hand out there. Absolutely. Is there anybody else who's helped you? Have you got any um, funding or anything from the graduate school for any of your events? So, yes, we have had a lot of support from the graduate school as well. Um, we ran a um, seminar series, actually, in the in the summer uh, online. So that was one of our, I know we'll be we chatting a bit about uh, sort of what we did during COVID, maybe later on. But when we did that, the graduate school was very good at uh, supporting us 
um, just helping us to advertise that in their weekly updates and that kind of thing. Um, the Mitchell Institute has helped us advertise our events as well. So um, I, I can't actually remember. I know we've applied for funding from a couple of places and I can't remember if we applied in the graduate school, but I know um, they've certainly been very supportive as has our own school. So yeah, I know a, a lot of support from a number of places, which has been really helpful. Yeah, that's good. It's always nice to have kind of the institution behind you as well. Yeah. Sometimes I think whenever you're doing something as a student, you kind of feel a bit like you have to do so much on your own. And, mm-hmm. you know, how, you're, how am I one person setting this mm-hmm. up? Or how is it me and a couple of my friends organising a coffee morning going to get, you know, actually yeah. attract people to come? So mm-hmm. it's so helpful having things like the Graduate School Weekly update and your school sending like emails and recommending it to people and stuff like that. Because I think half the battle, especially at the minute, is visibility. Is like yeah. knowing what's there, knowing what you can actually go to what's yeah. available and um, because there's so many things at queen's that um i know about and um other people don't and you just think well how did i ever find out about that yeah. in the first yeah. place sometimes it's like you have to be following the right twitter accounts or the mm-hmm. right uh instagram pages or whatever in order to like i know know these things are actually happening so yeah. just that extra wee nudge i think is you know a bit gives it a bit more credibility as well. I don't know yeah, if I can send absolutely. out to you in an email. Um, so I want to talk about now what kind of benefits you've gained from being part of this network. So obviously you're going to have gained academic skills. You're going to have things for your, your CV. But thinking specifically about building community in this episode. Um, so have you been able to establish like set friends that, you know, you can talk to about your problems or like um, made any connections with people who are studying similar things or you know what have, what have you gained from this yeah no absolutely it's a great question and I think um you know even as I was, was just thinking about it um I think you can separate the benefits really into like personal and professional and I think you're right maybe you, you jump to think oh well I've gained skills and this that or the other but I think there have been a lot of personal benefits I think you know both, I think, from being a member of of this of the steering group, but also just participating in some of the events like the coffee morning. So I think, you know, being a member of the group that has been organising these events, I think you do get to know people better. You do get those uh, connections and and sort of shared experiences. So when we did our first symposium last year, I remember like after it, just the feeling of relief, you know, that we'd done it. We got we got funding. We'd we'd hosted people and you know all that kind of stuff. When it's over, there's that kind of collective sense of we've done something together. And yeah, I think especially this year when we've been doing online stuff, um, you know, at the end of one of them, we thought, isn't it like it's a shame that we can't all just meet up and, you know, celebrate that we we sort of pulled this off or whatever. Um, so but I think you get those shared experiences with people um, in an otherwise quite isolating uh, sort of journey. I mean, you'll know yourself with the PhD. You've got your project and, you know, you're chipping away at it, but it can be quite lonely at times. And I think. Yeah, I think um, what I found whenever I started was and what separated it for me from my master's or my undergrad mm-hmm. was that nobody's doing the same thing as you. Yeah. So like in your master's, I did a taught master's. So I had people who were in my class every week who were all working on the same essay, who were all reading mm-hmm. the same books. And, you know, you had if you had a problem that, you know, wasn't something that you would go to a lecturer with, but 
you know, something that you were trying to work out or something that you didn't agree with. You had people, you had people there to kind of yeah. bounce your ideas off. And I think when you're doing research, you miss that. You yeah. miss that feeling of, oh, well, you know, even to keep yourself right, to know that somebody else is struggling. I think that's a big thing with PhDs. Yeah. And so many people, you know, su- suffer from imposter syndrome and think yeah. they shouldn't be there and just don't realise that actually everybody here is in the same position. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, getting to know people a bit more. And I think, you know, obviously you do get to maybe know people in your your in-tech year, your year group a little bit more because maybe shared office space and that kind of thing. But not always across the year groups. And I think that's what I love about the SRN is that people that are connecting in from across the year groups and, you know, maybe someone is coming to differentiation or APR, but you, you've done that before. And, you know, there's just lots of ways to, to maybe offer support to each other, um, like peer support. And then I think one of the nice things about that is when you get to know people a bit more and there's that level of relationship, I think, you know, you, you, you get to celebrate their wins as well. So if someone, you know, gets a published or gets, you know, accepted to speak somewhere, I think, you know, with just that, that sense of connection, I think then that, you know, that becomes, there's a momentum in that as well. So I think that's another reason why we really like to sort of highlight the successes of, you know, people in our community. So yeah, no, absolutely. On a personal level, I think it's been, been really fantastic. And as I say, I've got to know people, across different year groups and across different research areas. And then you do start to know because you're chatting to them about what they're researching and you'll maybe see something and you think, oh, I wonder if that would interest them. Like, it's not my, you know, there, there is that kind of awareness of maybe what's going on outside of your own sort of, you know, intense bubble of your own research. So no, absolutely. So many benefits. Yeah, I think I find that from doing this podcast as well, you know, mm-hmm. being able to speak to people in different disciplines and yes. learn about all the different experiences of PhDs. Yeah. Um, you know, for me doing a PhD in arts, it's a completely different thing from mm-hmm. my friends who are doing it in science. Yeah. And their yeah. days are spent in a lab. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very clear of, you know, you're doing your lit review in year one and you're doing your research in year two and you're writing off in year three. Whereas I have been writing from day one. Yeah. Um it's just completely different. And then um I had a girl on um on yeah who is working in economics and she does her, instead of a thesis, she publishes three articles instead okay, of, yes, yes. and I had never heard of this before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you just think like, it's, it is that, you know, meeting people who are doing something completely different from you, where if you have this kind of one track mind of this is what a PhD means, once you realise yeah. that like a PhD means something different to every single person who's doing yeah. it. Yeah. I think it kind of changes your outlook on what you're doing. You know that, yeah. I don't know it's not the be all and end all of the world, and yeah. this isn't the most important thing. And I don't know. Just for me, it's learning that there's a million different ways to do things, and there's no right and wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even as you say, even within a school, you know, there's so many different approaches and you know methodologies and just what people are doing. Some people are doing desk based. Some people are doing field work and, and, and yet even in the midst of all that diversity, I think what's quite nice is to see that, you know, everybody's struggles are the same. Like maybe it looks different. You know, we have a wide demographic, as I'm sure you do. You know, we have uh, parents, carers, people on their own, you know, just all kinds of people. And I think people's struggles maybe look different, but but. But people are going through these milestones at the same time. People struggle with, you know, I don't know what to write or I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. And I think, you know, that, that there's a unique journey that you go on on a PhD. And I think it's really important to surround yourself with people 
who are on that journey with you. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that's been really, really nice about it. You know, that you're not the only one that thinks, oh my goodness, I can't do this. Or, you know, I, you know, just whatever the struggle is. So I think um, that has been been really helpful as well, just to know people a little bit more in that way. Yeah. So I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to bring up the C word. Um <laughs> COVID, how has it hit you? How are you adapting? How are you managing to keep a sense of community at the minute? Um, yeah, good good question. I mean, COVID and, and the SRN has been a really interesting journey, actually. I think um, in many ways, since March last year, I feel like the network has, in a lot of ways, uh, really thrived, um, which is maybe surprising, but I think, uh, you know, maybe that's one of the, the silver linings of this season. I mean, obviously in March, when everything locked down for the first time, you know, nobody was really prepared for it in, in any level. So I'm sure, you know, y- you've experienced this yourself. It was just like, what are we going to do? How am I going to do my work? And just even setting up at home. I mean, I think, you know, I spent the first month or so sitting at the dining room table, you know, with no sort of screens or, you know, uh, hunching over. And it was just a disaster. And when you realise, right, this is going much longer, I realised I needed to get myself set up at home. So after those initial kind of few weeks where everybody was readjusting, we kind of had a chat about, well, you know, can we do anything? Can we help people? You know, people were were isolated more than normal. And, you know, it was a bit of a, during the first lockdown, obviously it was very, you know, people were very, very apart from each other. I suppose a little bit like now, actually. Um, And so one of the things we thought about was, right, will we just try and move this coffee morning online? And I mean, with a lot of these things, you know, we were like, maybe it's a, maybe it'll be a disaster, maybe it won't, but will we just have a go? Um, and I suppose at that stage, you know, it's hard to remember then, but we weren't necessarily used to having all these online meetings, but we gave it a go. And um, that has been a really, you know, good thing that I think has stayed. I mean, we had a little bit of a break towards the end of the summer, but it's been like a good weekly fix point. And I mean, sometimes we'll have you know, a good crowd. Sometimes we'll only have one or two, but I think the fact that it's it's there and that people can check into it, I think is really, really important. Um, so that's been a sort of fairly consistent thing. Another thing then that we thought was maybe we need to do something to help people connect in because, you know, there was so much going on. I'm sure you know yourself, it was hard sometimes to focus on your PhD. Like it's yeah. not you know, it requires a lot of mental energy. So we set up like a virtual, we called it Shut Up and Write. I'm sure you're familiar, the graduate school does it. Yeah. So we thought we'll do it just for our own crew. Um, and people will check in on Teams at like whatever time it was in the morning and just state your goals for the morning and then do the Pomodoro thing and then come back in, report back. And I think, I remember the first week I did that, I'd say it was probably like the first day in like the first lockdown that I felt like I'm actually, I'm back in the zone. Um, because there was that accountability and life had just been completely, as you know, it had been really, really tricky. So that was really, really good. And um, we did that. I think we'll be starting it up again soon. We've, we've had a little break from it for a while. Um, but just creating spaces for people to join in. And then, I think that's so important, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, just that idea of creating a space, but no kind of obligation. Yeah. I feel like sometimes since things have gone online, it feels sometimes like you're bombarded yeah. with lots of different events that yeah. you have to go to. Yeah. Whereas things like a coffee morning and mm-hmm. shut up and write are things that I feel like you can go to if you're in the headspace to go yeah. to. Yeah. And you know that you're not going to miss anything if you don't go mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know, you can try again next week if it didn't 
if this morning hasn't worked out for you. And it's that kind of like flexible support. Mm -hmm. um, I think is probably what I would term it. You know, having something that's there and you know it's there and you can use it when you feel like it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but not, you know, be tied to it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, the the consistency of, of just knowing if you're having a hard week and you need to talk to someone that, you know, like there is a space, you know, the coffee mornings are who knows what topic of conversation you know it's not about oh how much work have you done this week it's just about creating a space for people so I think that has been yeah like I've really again you know you set these things up but I've personally really benefited from it um so that's kind of one side of what we did in during COVID and then the other side was again I think this unexpected silver lining where we thought well, we just try and do some online events. I think we were aware that a lot of people in our community had lost opportunities to present papers and, you know, how it is and, you know, trips cancelled and, you know, and these things are really important. So we thought, could we create a space for that? And so we decided to try and do a summer seminar series. We were like, let's do six sessions, which seemed fine, but it was a lot. Um, And we decided that like the focus would be about highlighting doctoral research being undertaken in Northern Ireland. So we thought we'd reach out also to our counterparts at Ulster University. And that was really lovely. Uh, we connected with some people there in the Transitional Justice Institute. And we actually did that together with them. So then it was lovely just to get to know people, you know, like, again, we're all in the same city. Of course, we're all locked down, so it could have been anywhere. But, you know, that idea where, you know, we're researching quite similar things. There's lots of crossover. So we organised that together and we did six seminars online and um, I think there was three papers in each one. And then we had a lot of support from the academics in Queens and Ulster to act as discussants um, and just really, really great opportunities for people. Um, but what I loved about that, and then there was another event that we did in December, like a symposium, an online symposium, and the, the reach was wider there. It was beyond Queens and Ulster. And just the geographical reach of the events, like I'm convinced, you know, if we did it in person, like just resources, um, I don't think we would have had the same uh, reach geographically yeah um and that was that was really cool to see the impact that we could have and you know to see the people that were showing up to these events and um I know like one of my friends she presented on on transitional justice and there was someone there from like a transitional justice organization got in touch with her after wanted to know more and wow. you know you think it just seemed like it was an opportunity. And then, you know, our event in December that we did, we had papers literally from all around the world um, and and the audience as well. And I think, you know, looking back, I don't think those things would ever have happened if we hadn't gone yeah. online. And I yeah. think, um, so it's funny when I think about, about COVID and, and, and sort of forcing us online, I think for the SRN, it actually sort of was a time where it where it thrived um and I do hope that continues of course I mean I say all that I'll be the first one that will be delighted to come back to an in-person event but I think there have been um some unexpected silver linings and I think it's shown me the importance of actually trying to create like virtual spaces for people to connect um because I think in a way even when life goes back to you know whatever normal is I think this kind of online way of doing things will in some level continue because I think people have seen the benefit of it so I don't think it's going away and um so I think even just having having those experiences and seeing the fact that you know people who maybe wouldn't have had the resources to attend some of our events were actually able to contribute to the discussion that that really has been fantastic and really a joy to see yeah 
So I could talk to you all day here and probably avoid this, just have a good old chat. Um, but I'm just wondering now, um, what advice would you give to somebody, maybe in a different discipline, maybe in your own, yeah. um, who's maybe new, as I said, maybe somebody who's yeah. just joined now in January, maybe somebody who's an international student, mm-hmm. whatever. What advice would you give about building a research community or how someone could start up something similar to what you've done in law? Um, do you know, I guess my number one piece of advice would be just have a go, go for it. I mean, I am a great believer in, you know, and a lot of these things we've said, and I mean, there's been some events we've tried and we thought, do you know, we'll not be doing that again, you know, but I think you have to, you have to try these things. Um, and the worst thing that can happen is it's a bit of a flop, you know, but I think the best thing that can happen is, you know, it can be, can be really good. And I think as well with these kind of things, you know, as I say, with the coffee meetings, like even if there's a week where there's only a couple of people showing up, I think, you know, when you're going into these things, maybe don't measure impact on on numbers because I don't think it's always mm-hmm. about that. Then maybe the next week you'll get a whole host of people. I think it's about just what you're creating and you're creating sort of a culture of community and connectedness. Um, and that's something that I'm quite passionate about, you know, personally, um, even I suppose beyond all of us. So my advice would be to just go for it. Um, you know, find some like-minded people and and just try something. Start small. I think it really helped us to maybe articulate some of our aims and then plan an activities around that. So we had some sort of a focus. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rely on the support that's available. We've talked about that earlier, you know, the support in your own school, uh, the support in the graduate school uh, and beyond. There, there is a lot of support out there. Uh, for these kind of initiatives there you know there's funding um and and just don't don't be afraid to sort of you know feel just have a go would be would be my um advice and I think these kind of things are really worthwhile I think it has made my PhD experience so much uh better than it would have been otherwise so yeah no I would absolutely encourage someone to go for it great thank you so much for speaking with us today it has been lovely and um, best of luck for Thank finishing you. the phd um and best of luck to the student research network in law as well for 2021 thanks very much and thanks for having me our second guest today has been helping to build community in a different way kelsey donnelly has recently completed her phd in english at queen's and has been involved in peer mentoring in the school Hi Kelsey, uh, thanks so much for speaking to us today. I'm really looking forward to hearing what your experiences have been in Queen's now that you have reached that final frontier and are moving on um, as a doctor. So can you maybe begin by just introducing yourself and telling us a bit more about your PhD and your experiences at Queen's? Of course, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Um, Can I just begin by saying this congratulations on creating such a fantastic initiative and you should be so proud and it's so brilliant and it's so engaging. So well done, seriously, well done. It's it's really really inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yes, so I'm Dr. Kelsey Donnelly. Um, I'm a teaching assistant and peer mentor in the School of Arts, English and Languages here at Queen's. Um, I completed my PhD last year um, and I did my Viva on the day before Halloween, which I felt was quite fitting because I looked at least like Dr. Frankenstein. (laughs) 
um because i was so so on age but um so my thesis it examined uh, grief counter narratives and focused especially on grief of rejected and marginalized bodies um, from black bodies brutalized by police violence in America to victims of the war on terror. Um, having finished my thesis and graduated uh, during lockdown, I, I kind of picture myself re-entering society as old Rose from Titanic saying, it's been 84 years, or as Mr. <laughs> Burns dressed in barks and some clothes like while wobbling on a skateboard or something. It's, it's been so long, but, um, but aside from my academic sort of doctor um, self, I have gained a reputation over lockdown for making pancakes that resemble the grey matter of the human brain. Thinking about it now, they're probably more convincing representations of my fried PhD brain than what should be a tasty or edible breakfast. But luckily I don't serve them up of your mentor meetings and my mentees, they've actually they know of my troubles. Um so they've sent me recipes. So at least in this way mentoring is definitely a mutually supportive experience. So talk to us a bit more about your mentoring then you've mentioned there. Can you just explain to anybody who doesn't know what the peer mentoring kind of community is at Queen's, um, what you do? Um, yeah, just an overview of peer mentoring. So in terms of <clears throat> what a peer mentor does, so, so a peer mentor is a second, third or fourth year um, PhD student who's just that little bit closer to the finish line. Um, who volunteers to help first-year postgrad research students in the school to find their feet. Um, <clears throat> so we're friendly faces, listening ears, and we share advice and tips based on our own experiences, whether that's on organising or speaking at conferences or signposting students to workshops, opportunities or events that they may find beneficial. So basically, it's about smoothing the transition from master's to PhD study because as you know when you start a PhD you're not only faced with climbing an academic mountain and navigating the policies and the procedures of the department but you also have to contend with the peaks and the pits of the PhD journey and while we know that we can turn to our supervisors, the Royal Literary Fellow, the Graduate School or the Learning Development Service for great advice on things like career development, writing styles and referencing. Who do we turn to when we maybe feel despondent or despair? How do we pick ourselves up? Um, and maybe the pieces of arguments that have been shot to shreds. Um, so yes, of course, we have our friends, we have our family and there are counselling services available, but it takes a lot of courage and energy to make that first call or, mm -hmm. you know, to write that email, to book that appointment. Um, so peer mentoring is great in this respect because <clears throat> you can speak to us in confidence <clears throat> in an informal and um, informal manner and context. Um, and we will offer, you know, reassurance. So that may be something as small yet significant as saying, you know, you're doing okay. In fact, you're doing more than okay, even though you may not feel like it right now. You know, you're managing to survive a global pandemic with all the complexities and anxieties that that entails. So if you manage to read an article, write a paragraph or a few lines, make the dinner or 
pancakes um, better still while juggling childcare commitments and caring for yourself and others you're making excellent progress and so we're there to celebrate those achievements and to boost confidence and offer hope and sometimes a different perspective um, when those feelings of failure and maybe futility creep in so you know we would say you're not expected to know everything especially not in your first year um, and feedback is not always going to be glowing and sometimes that can be really hard to hear but at least when the feedback's constructive it's going to take you down the right path so in cases such as those the mentors will offer you empathy and motivation and just let you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel even when that doesn't seem to be the case and so many PhD students were, were perfectionists and such critical thinkers that Sometimes we're overly critical of ourselves um, and many of us feel compelled to maintain an outward image of perfection or at least that everything is on, everything's fine, that we are on top of everything. And it can be difficult to say you're struggling for fear of shattering um, an image of composure or maybe self-assurance. So opening up to a mentor is really helpful in this regard because more often than not, you know, Mentors have experienced those same fears, insecurities, and quests for perfection at some point. And so we can offer comfort and understanding and hopefully some wisdom that, that will really pick you up again, you know. So how does that work on a practical level? So like how often would you meet with your mentee or your mentor? And like do you reach out when you have a problem or is it like something that is regular that you check in with or how does that work? So basically at the start of the semester, <clears throat> um, well, the department, so Dr. Marilina Cesario, she's like the school lead um, for the scheme. So she will send out a call for applications um, asking if anyone would like to become a mentor. So you fill out your application and usually you get accepted. Um, and then students are asked if they would like to be assigned a mentor. Um, and so then we all come together and we get maybe three or four mentors each or mentees each um, and each student gets one mentor um, that they're assigned. And so we, we start by meeting or by chatting over email and then we create, um, well, usually it's in person. So we would meet in person for coffee or like a chat um, or cake. Um, but this year, because everything's online, it's we're communicating through zoom through teams um but mostly through our whatsapp groups at the minute and when we all met together all the mentors and mentees we thought that it would be a good idea to create a whatsapp group um mm -hmm. because it, it's a good way for first years to meet other first years because yeah. at this point you know it's there are no like icebreaker sort of uh catch-ups or things organized by the school so it's it's really nice and i think it's actually been really helpful because a lot of us are finding out, you know, who else is working in our area. And this is leading to some really good uh, collaborations um, among us. And we're, ha we're actually having a, a Zoom little session on Friday. And, and one, of our, um, one of our mentors, she had a live bake-along <laughs> session on her birthday, <laughs> which was great. And then... Oh, that's yeah, lovely. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And one of our, our mentees, she is launching a poetry collection. Um, so we're all going to join in online with that. And so it's really nice because you feel like you're all coming together and you're all supporting each other. And even if it's things just like sending pictures of 
pets in uniform or dogs lounging around and it's just a bit of crack and just to check in with everyone so it is quite informal but at the same time you know people mentees will will ask you know about things like I just talked about like how you know the progress is coming along and and that's something that you know we may feel if we're just by ourselves like I'm not making enough progress but when you hear other people you know sharing the same experiences are feeling the same way it makes it you know and then having someone then to reassure you um it just offers like I think hope because it is really difficult at the minute yeah. and it does create a sense of light relief whenever we are just chatting and things like that um so uh, yeah so basically I you can meet uh one-on-one with your mentor but you can also meet kind of groups yeah, yeah. of so other you, mentors and other mentees yeah so you can so because you're assigned one mentor you can speak just with them if you want to so you can you know just drop an email anytime and say you know i'm feeling like this and then you know so that's just one-on-one or you can contribute to like the group setting so it's basically like it works any way that you want it to work so we just work around the students needs and so if they want to talk on a one-to-one basis absolutely we're here for that that is what we're here to do so no question is is too small or it's in no way an imposition um and if we want to have like a group event we'll also invite everyone so you've got that mix I think which is really good and because it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's confidential and you can speak in confidence and yet there's the informality which I think is it really offers um something special I think yeah it sounds like a really lovely uh atmosphere and uh yeah just a lovely little network that you're involved in can you talk yeah. me through then? When did you get involved? Um, were you a mentee or uh, how did you get involved in this? I was. I was a mentee and I, I did undergraduate mentoring um, at Queen's whenever I was whenever I studying for my undergrad degree and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I got involved with the postgraduate research um, peer mentoring scheme in 2017 and I acted as the student lead of the program from 2018 to 2019 Um, and I joined primarily because I wanted to do whatever I could to prevent first year students from going through some of the difficulties and struggles that I experienced in my first year. So for instance in week one we were advised at like a training workshop to read a thesis in our area um, which I did but upon reading it I felt the absolute fear And the fact that the final thesis that I read was the product of three to four years worth of blood, sweat and tears completely escaped me. I thought that, you know, the PhD was supposed to be your magnum opus and that you needed to write material that would be included in your final draft and know exactly where your arguments were from the get go. So not only was Mm -hmm. this a really skewed view, it was so overwhelming and counterproductive because I ended up writing drafts and words just to meet deadlines, but the quality was not there at all. And I knew I was struggling and I felt like I had failed or disappointed my supervisors because they had put their faith in my ability to do um, this PhD and this project. So I ended up actually telling my primary supervisor that I wanted to leave. Um, but thankfully she wow. convinced me otherwise yeah and she said that feeling like that was so like it was completely normal and all part of the process and I found that yes this is the case it, it is normal and those feelings are so prevalent but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay it, it shouldn't be normal I think 
And so this is partly why I wanted to become a mentor to try and alleviate or prevent those feelings that can have such a damaging impact on someone's confidence and their self-esteem. And I had a mentor at the time and she was so brilliant and she was really encouraging and uplifting and empathetic um, and inspiring. So I knew exactly then how beneficial having a mentor could be. So that's that's really why I, I signed up in the first place. And yeah, and here I am. I'm still here. <laughs> that's so lovely. Like just that thought of, you know, passing it along, uh, taking the good things that you experienced and sharing those with the next cohort coming in behind you and you know not just um taking but like feeling like you're giving back and I think it's really lovely um it's really nice that you benefited from it so much and also that you're able to kind of I don't know help those coming after you as well and kind of leaving a legacy behind you then of hoping that each of your mentees will become a mentor and uh, yeah, it's a nice legacy to leave, I think. Um, can you talk me through some of the broader benefits then to peer mentor and for both the mentor and the mentee? Like, is this good for your CV? Is it, uh, does it help you make friends? What What have you got out of this or what do people get out of this? Yeah, so I think there, like you said, like there are many benefits in different um, in different ways. So I think there's much to be gained, um, firstly, from having a mentor and um, because we are giving students a form of pastoral support, I suppose, as well as sharing our own experiences that will hopefully help them in some way. Um, and we're creating a sense of belonging and camaraderie um, and merriment and a sense of community, which is really important now. And it's mutually enriching and supportive. I think it works both ways. Um, so we as mentors, like we bond with each other as a team. And also with our own mentees, and we're all learning from each other and bouncing each, bouncing off each other, and you know collaborating with each other on particular projects. Um, and I've actually like I've met my best friends through my participation with this game over the years, so I've definitely reaped uh, the benefits there. Um, and as you say, it is being a mentor is is good for your CV because it demonstrates that you work well in a team that you are engaged in the student community um and so those those skills as well and that you can you know delegate tasks and sometimes because it will lead to future collaborations and um, perhaps organizing conferences together with the with the people that you meet um so definitely there are there are benefits in a both um personal level and academic level um and in 2019 actually the the peer mentor and postgrad scheme in arts English language. We were uh, we came we won second prize um, in the category for best student staff partnership project at the Queen's Education Awards. So it's nice to see that you know the students are finding it really useful and helpful, and it's it's really rewarding. Like I definitely would um, encourage people who are interested to sign up and apply because it it really is. There's all to be gained, not much to be lost. To be honest. Well, that was my next question, but I think you've kind of maybe covered it a bit already. How can PhDs get involved then? So this is just for arts, English and languages. Um, yes, I think there are. I know that in the School of HAP, there are mentoring schemes, but I'm not sure if they're specifically for postgrad research um, students. But this is yes, specifically speaking in the School of Arts, English 
and languages. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, so you can ask to be assigned to a mentor um, by contacting primarily Dr. Marlena Cesario. Um, and you can apply to be a mentor at the start, usually at the start of each academic year. Um, and you can also feel free for anyone listening to, to contact me. My email is kdonnelly28 at qb.se.uk. Um, and I can add you to our WhatsApp group or drop an email to you and we can get the ball rolling. It's so great. to We're always welcoming new um, students and it's so great to hear from everyone, you know, even if it's just to share some news. Um, it just raises everyone's spirits, to be honest. That's what I, that's what I genuinely feel. What advice would you give to someone who's feeling isolated from the research community at the minute? As a mentor and someone who is dealing with this and um, been dealing with this this year from their mentees, uh, what would you say to anybody else? Um, okay, well, excellent question. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the life of a PhD student can be lonely at the best of times. Sometimes liken it to a preparation course for life as a hermit. Uh, well, there are plenty of times I felt like Kevin McAllister at the end of Home Alone, where he's standing in his pajamas waving out the window to, to those outside playing in the snow. Um, but yeah, well, firstly, I would say reach out. So reach out to your friends. Uh, reach out to your family but of course I'm going to say this <laughs> that would be um to get in touch with a peer mentor or also firstly if you don't have one um contact Dr. Marlena Cesario and she will assign you one um or you can contact me um I give you my email but just to repeat it's kdonley28 at qb.ac.uk and I will drop you an email and ask if you would like to join um, our larger WhatsApp group. Um, and we are we have volunteered specifically to be here for students. Like that is what our purpose is. And so no question is too small or an imposition. And we always want to hear from our mentees. And if there is anything in particular that you think might find helpful, we're always open um, to new ideas. Um, and we just want to help in whatever way we can, um, whether that's through Zoom catch-ups or one-on-one drop-in sessions, just to check in how you're feeling, how your work's going, and if we can give you any advice. Um, and just to know that you're not alone because we are here for you. That's what we've signed up to do. So please get in touch. Um, it's great hearing from you. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking to us today. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing in AEL. I just want to say as well, if maybe you're listening and you're in a different school and this sounds like something you're into, bring it up. Um, talk to your postgraduate lead. Try and get this set up for yourselves. This might be something that you might want to take a lead on. Uh, we've been talking about uh, postgrad-led initiatives, a way of creating your own community in this episode. So if this is something that inspires you, do something about it and you could maybe be changing what community looks like for postgrad students in the future. So thank you once more, Kelsey, uh, and best of luck for the future. Thank you. You too. And good luck with the, the podcast. Podcast made a success long continue. I'm sure it will with you at the helm. <laughs> thank you. That's it for today. 
We hope we've given you some inspiration for building a postgrad community and know that your PhD doesn't have to be an isolating experience. In the next episode, we'll be talking to your student officers to find out what they are doing to help improve our student community. So make sure to check it out. In the meantime, feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter and let us know what you're doing to stay connected in these difficult times. Stay safe.